0: Atrocious, with your host, Michael Bikinski, a.k.a. The Backman. Um, how should I say this? I don't know how the best way to give a life update from me. Mostly because... Mostly... Because... It's really a lot of small things that... Have been happening. Like if I just go over the same stuff. I've previously mentioned before. It would just. You know. Be boring. I think I mentioned. I've gone back to therapy. Maybe. I haven't mentioned that. I'm slowly trying to go back to the gym. Like I'm fit. At the weight I'm at. But I need to you know, maintain and keep myself, like, I want to grow a little muscle, and I kind of want to lose what's left of my stomach, you know, flatten it, because I may be 191 or so, maybe more now, pounds, or more in whatever, Um, but, I don't know. I'm in a weird spot right now, where (laughs) I'm trying to keep it together, but also also just do the best that I can at what I'm doing, such as this podcast, because I've been really enjoying recording this. But uh, hopefully... Want to do more with stuff like this in the future, too. So, with that boring, almost melancholy intro aside, let's get into it. First up, I actually played some games. Some attempts. Others fully through. Somewhat. You should expect somewhat from me at this point. (laughs) Oh my god. I'll just go over the stuff that I really couldn't delve into uh, fully because I barely even scratched ten minutes on most of this. Uh, First up is the uh, Jump Force beta test, for if you're familiar, it's the... It's the anime crossover fighter with a lot of Shonen jump properties such as Dragon Ball, Naruto, One Piece, etc. And boy, I only could play like a bot match because the only thing that was uh, given was, you know, fighting the players, maybe do the tutorial and a bot match, I, I think and I'll just say, with the limited time, that I could play it before the servers crashed. That game plays a lot like Dragon Ball Z, Budokai Tenkaichi, like those games, where it's a 3D fighter, it's in a big space, still unsure about how free the movement is, because, yeah, you can go in the air and do an attack, But, like, in Budokai Tenkaichi, you know, specifically for the Dragon Ball characters, you know, you can fly around the battlefield, just be anywhere in the uh, limited space you're in, and attack like you were attacking in the show. You're attacking in the show? That doesn't even fucking make any sense. Oh, my God. Like, they were attacking in the show don't know if I can do that in this game, but I like the look of it, even though it almost seems too glossy at times, and the, oh no, the anime universe is collided with the real world, can lead to some really, hopefully stupid shenanigans, but I have no idea if that's going to be a thing, uh, there were characters in that that I don't even know, like some, like, you know, Yu Yu Hakusho, the main character from that. I know what that is. I know who he is as I try to remember his name, but can't. <laughs> um, there's also. There's this weird fucking dude who literally. To keep it, you know, as clear as, and coherent as possible in my description, imagine the kingpin. ...from Into the Spider-Verse... ...but anime... ...and looks like rotting flesh that body builds. That's basically the character. It's... ...it's really weird. Uh, I'm really curious... ...as the game comes out... ...when people find out that there's a character in that game. And I learned this myself as well, because... I barely know about this manga series um, where there's a character that was created by a man who his face uh, and content warning from what I'm about to say uh, has gotten arrested and revealed to, uh, I believe, create child pornography. And sexual, has sexual children. I believe the creator of this one anime, slash manga. Not everyone else. It's it's this dude with like red hair. The character he created. Very curious why they have that character back because of that piece of shit, and what he did. So, hopefully, as it comes out, maybe that will be talked about. Hopefully. Cause, um, shout out to, uh, Twitter user Off, aka Jackson, for just tweeting that out. Uh, about stuff that I didn't even know. Not purposely not know, just, I didn't know that. So, besides that worrisome thing, um... Yeah, it's a, it's a 3D fighter. Maybe it'll be good with the full release. Story has a villain newly created by... Um, I can't believe I, I'm going to forget his name. Toriyama. But again, I feel like every new Toriyami... Toriyami. I am so sorry to the man for saying that. Toriyama-based characters in a new released anything... Always has, like, a new creation from him. Because companies love fucking money. Uh, they love money, and they love fucking money. That's, that's two things. But, I don't know. I hope it's good. That trailer at E3 was really dumb. And I hope the game matches that silliness. Okay. So, next up is... These are very old, well not old, one is fairly recent, but the other one is nearly 15, 16, 17, 18, it's like 6 years old now. Uh, I tried, because I had Xbox Game Pass on my PC, I don't currently have an Xbox with me right now, but I tried playing Record Definitive Edition, specifically the Definitive Edition, because that was available... On PC. I I like how that game controls. I'm curious about its plot. It runs like shit. And I quitted after twenty to thirty minutes because I could not take how many times it would crash, in my laptop, fairly standard 1060 Max-Q, whatever graphics card, CPU, you know, near the higher end of CPUs currently, for whatever the Dell G7 has, it could run it, but this game just kept crashing, and was fucking annoying, and I did not want to play that anymore so i stopped all i say is that robot dog is cute i like the protagonist uh character design curious about the world it's never going to be followed up again due to i guess poor sales reception for the original release when the xbox one launched but yeah i just did not like it like constantly crashing So, that's that game. Uh, And the other one, I mean, I, I put a little bit into it, but I didn't really want to continue with it because nothing wrong with it, nothing, like, not fun or not enticing to continue with, but I... Started Snake Pass. And while when I first saw that game. Announced like. I think it was two years ago now. Or released two years ago maybe. And see how cute that fucking snake is. And the faces it makes. And the little puzzles. And how you use the controls to slither them around. That's all cool. It's just. Constantly collecting. Like. It is of the era of. You know. I mean if I want to be keep it 100 I'm not going to compare this to the to the greatness thats Jack and Dexter the precursor legacy but it is in the vein of that game Banjo-Kazooie, a lot of third uh, party platformers that were collectathon's you know and I don't want to play a game like that anymore unless you're doing something that is evolving the platformer genre or something unique enough where I want to continue because as much as I like playing that snake it's not something I really want to do every level because you know it could be a very short game and probably is but I don't want to keep collecting like, maybe that's better for, you know, on a Switch to do that. Since, you know, you have time to kill. But, I don't know. I I still think it's good. I still think it's worth people's time. But for me personally, I don't want to really do I I don't really want to do I I don't want to really do no more. Sorry. I just had to. I don't really want to do collect the thons anymore, like that. They're not my cup of tea anymore. So, I still say get Snake Pass, because purely on its visuals, it is so adorable. It's so damn adorable. Uh, but be wary if you are easily impatient with constantly doing uh, collecting bubbles, key pieces, stuff like that. Overall, still get it, but just be warned. Next up is the other game I, or the last game I played on Game Pass. I hope I said Game Pass and not Gay Pass. That would be really awkward. I said Game Pass. Yeah, I said Game Pass. Jesus Christ, it's 7:40 in the morning. Uh, is a game called Ruiner. Now Ruiner, believe came out two years ago, maybe a year ago. The weird thing with me is I always base, or I used to base game releases on when the console version came out. And I say console version because that's the only thing I had Because most indie games either come out six months to almost a year before like a Xbox one or PS4 and now even a switch version comes out. I get confused about release years. Because I try to remember based on conversations that have happened in the discourse, the discourse zone of the games circles. And stuff like that. Games media, you know. Um, other times from quick looks and remembering from giantbomb.com because, you know, that's how I, you know, <laughs> I have no problem uh, shouting out other sites because we're all trying to do the same thing, you know, there's nothing wrong with them. Okay, I'm gonna continue. <laughs> um, But, like, I try to remember from watching that stuff. And... How should I say this? Okay, well, to finish, you know, I get confused with release dates now because of having a laptop, having stuff coming on PC before consoles, and then seeing new releases for PSN. And see, oh, a game that I played like months ago is finally on there. It's like, it it fucks with my brain with how it works. But, I played Ruiner, because that was also on the Xbox Game Pass. Which, again, very worth it. It's very worth it. Um, Ruiner, on the other hand, is not worth it. In my opinion. Uh, as a full purchase. If you want to try it via Game Pass, go ahead. But... I remember seeing the trailer for this game and really like its visual design, but this was also during the time where I was really vibing with uh, cyberpunk, quote-unquote, aesthetics in games. And I don't know if it was during Devolver... Yeah, it was during Devolver's first press conference whatever thing, uh, poor Adult Swim uh, parody attempt because that's what they do now and it's boring as fuck even though I love a lot of games that have come from them their tone with regards to marketing is so should I say this I don't like using the word cringe but it's so trite and it's been overdone Like, I feel like Toonami would do a better job. I don't know why I'm saying Toonami, but, like, Toonami in the sense of conveying that tone under Adult Swim than Devolver Digital would do. Again, I don't know why the hell I said Toonami. Toonami is, like, a programming block. Devolver Digital is a video game publisher. Anyway, rants aside, I still like them. I still wish... They receive criticism better with certain things regarding to, like, you know, when they're called out for transphobia, even if, I don't know, I don't want to get into it. Uh, but Ruiner really confuses me because I feel like it's trying to be two different games with its tone. You know, it's a small game. You're basically this dude with the uh, an LED mask which I love like the design of that and the images that have come up on that. But you are basically this dude. that. The first thing you're told is you need to kill the boss that keeps when you even hit the compass, when you eventually get that, you get that flash of the imagery, which warning, there's a lot of flashing imagery in this of kill the boss, kill the boss. And then later on, the plot opens up about who you are, why this woman is telling you where to go or what to do. And from there... It's... You know, a top-down... Wave-based... Well, I shouldn't say wave-based. Top-down... You know... I wouldn't even call it a twin-stick shooter. Because you're using the triggers. This is why genre labels for games is so confusing now and so weird that I hate using labels but it's top down you're shooting you have different types of weapons you also have a blade you also have a thing where uh, you get upgrades you upgrade that with the currency is called karma or no excuse me the karma is the experience points you get so you get ability points to upgrade you know general video game stuff and you have this dash that if you hold it in i believe while you're dashing you can get this marker to go behind enemies and so like if there's an enemy that's hitting you and you want to get out of their sight you know, you have a limited dash meter at first. Like, two or three blips or whatever. Or whatever their official name for in the game is. And you can do a thing where... You can hold it down, move the cursor behind, or just anywhere. And then, you know, get to that point. You know, based on the points you made, you can put up to like two or three. Maybe. Depending on how much energy you have left. And, you know... From there, you do, you know, the combat that's given to you. Something about the the feel of the game feels off to me in terms of the weight of the character, how you move, how you use the weapons, and when you get other weapons. I genuinely, I didn't feel bored, but I felt like, okay, here's another wave of enemies. All right, there's a new type, but now this enemy... Runs at you and explode. It's like generic video game enemies. What I really don't get is the tone of this game. Because I feel like it's trying to be... Uh, comedic. But also try to be serious with what it's presenting. Because there's one moment where... You're going up to the person who either program that mask or whatever on you and he later escapes and there's like a you know somewhat serious exchange and then later on slight spoilers you meet this dude after defeating him you now have him as as your pet and there's this all new mechanic where you have him around and you hold down the a button to shock him to death And he doesn't die, it's just a way for you to open doors in this one part of the game. And when you have him, there's this uh, part where it's basically the level transition made slightly playable. Where you see these hyperspeed cycles that go at light speed or whatever. So you go on and by pressing A, get on, it's going. Uh, I think you either hold A or tap, Uh, I think it's hold A, and this dude's just in the back on the leash, waving around, not really screaming, but he looks fucking ridiculous, and he's just on the back of your leash while you're going at max speed, just as fast as possible, and And then there's stuff with, like, the Sex Workers Club that just, I don't know, it seems slightly denigrating towards sex workers in a way that most, well, maybe in this particular case, this cyberpunk media doesn't do well in. Then there's, like, I don't know. The tone is all over the place. I don't, know why the protagonist is doing what they're doing and there's you know some stories you don't take seriously or some stories can try to convey a singular tone so you know what you're getting into here I don't know what tone to expect so it's trying to be the serious grunge uh, cyberpunk game and other times it's being very comedic in a way that doesn't fit and Honestly, I don't like it. Like, I completed that game uh, by the end. Still confused on what the, the point of what I was doing is. But, yeah. You know, if you like that type of game, go for it. I didn't. <laughs> Whether or not that's a good or bad recommendation, it's depending on you. I say, again... You know, all games should be purchased, every developer should be supported. Specifically, developers that are not pieces of shit. And don't, I don't know, do racist or sexist or insulting shit in general. I still say, try it on Xbox Game Pass. If you like it, buy it. If you're really vibing with it, buy it. But for me, that game did not work for me whatsoever. It just... I hate. No, I don't want to use hate. Hate is a very strong word. I really disliked a lot of the decisions made into that game. And, you know, there could also be the factor of... Was it because of limited time? Was it because of them being a small team, perhaps? None of these things. Me, personally... I'm looking forward to whatever this team from Ruina does next. Because I hope... Is completely different and something out of nowhere, because there are some ideas in that game I want to be, you know, maybe fully uh, used or fully uh, evolved in another game if this develop it this developer under devolver and does anything different in the future. So that's just me. Uh, next up, this will be short, uh, not as short as the other ones. Into the breach. I've been trying to get past that. Well, let me get. Let me uh, give a little uh, explanation for this game. Well, first, I'm playing this on the Switch because one, that is fantastic. That this game is on the Switch. It's perfect for the Switch. Two, Into the Breach is from the people who made uh, FTL, Faster Than Light. And it's uh, it's a turn-based strategy game involving mechs where, uh, you know, it's your story of alien creatures invading Earth. And you are a time traveler, I think, that has to defend and do specific missions in a turn-based uh battleground to uh fight them and whatnot and you know it works in like the case of xcom where and this will be where the time travel stuff comes in in a bit you have a a meter that represents like the power grid for you know the island or just The whole game and you know the people in general if that gets depleted it's game over like you don't get to restart that level you literally have to you know well in how it is in the context of this game time travel back before the vec win in this case uh because if they destroy specific buildings that have uh power they will win because that's what fuels the power grid. And so basically what you're trying to do is with bonus objectives in mind as well, go through five, maybe six turns of positioning your uh, squad, which right now I'm starting with the based, I would say humanoid-esque mech. Uh, an artillery, and you know, a small tank mecha, whatever. You know, you first deploy them in positions where it would be best strategic. Uh, You then wait until the Vex show up because then you can start where you can move and you can also fire. And depending on the type of unit you have and what their range is, it's like okay say there is the type of vec that the scorpion like creatures where they can hit you but only if you're one tile or one you know piece ahead because there are times where someone uh an enemy can attack but they attacked only because they thought you were previously there and they can't reach because of their uh range if you have a character that can attack at a certain range, you can use that against an enemy. But you can also say have if there's another enemy behind the one you're hitting. It's almost like uh, it's almost like a physical reaction where the enemy you hit then also hits the enemy behind you, and takes down a piece of their health, depending on, you know, the type of attack and the power that, you know, emits from that attack. And that's cool, because there'd be a case where you got an enemy that's near the water, and if you hit him once, he'll take his health down, but also push him in the water, And depending on the type of enemy if they can't swim they're instantly out there's also a thing where you can position your troops to block uh spawn locations for when the vex show up so like there'll be a turn where there'll be craters uh, in the ground they're like okay they're about to have new guys come in if you're thinking, I don't want that to happen. No, I don't want these guys to come. You can move your guy there, hold there, wait the next turn. When they're trying to come up at first, you know, they're blocked. And eventually, as the turns go, they'll try one last time, and they'll take a PCA health, I think. Maybe two, depending on uh, the enemy. They'll take a PCA health or two, but you can prevent them from spawning. Again, you still have the other enemies that are still about, so you have to be wary of that. And it could be the case where you're, uh, there could be like a side objective where you have to defend the coal power plant or coal plant, whatever. That could be left open now because you chose to block uh, the spawn Uh, point for a new type of uh, creature so That's where I'm realizing I like turn-based strategy games again or specifically turn-based anything because I'm not impatient like I used to think I would be like now like I own XCOM 2 on PS4 because I played the first one on PS3, and at the time I really liked it, but couldn't get through it because it was difficult. Here, I want to—I have it free, because uh, I got it for PS Plus when it was on there. I now want to play that now, even though, obviously, very different in terms of, you know, a lot of factors. But this game really made me want to play more turn-based games again, because I'm having like, a lot of fun. I'm failing, but I'm not failing in a way that's frustrating. I'm failing because I made a mistake, and i got to learn from them. And that's a game I have to play with my memory. And with that, you know, that that's where the difficulty comes in. So, I really like playing that game. I just want to get past the damn first island again. My god, please let me get past it. Um what else I mean I, right now I'm stuck at the first island you know I really like the art in the game because you know it has that simple I don't like saying pixel art because that's very like a not exclusionary but very like general like oh that's pixel art it's okay it's like no the art is really good Uh. The team from FTL know how to make some really cool, you know, uh, character designs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm having fun with that. Uh, Another game that I'll go through quickly, or two, because I do want to get to the movies, because I have a lot of movies I've been watching lately. Uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary, ugh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, I believe is the title. I am so happy I finally purchased this because <sighs> Street Fighter 4 in 2008, I think it was 08 or 09, was what got me into fighting games. I wasn't great at them at the time but it's what got me into fighting games, and I still, fuck it, I'll purchase on PS4 later, I love Street Fighter 4 so much, finally playing this, you know, seeing the history, I know of Street Fighter 2, I played Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo on PS3 when that version of it came out, which, damn, that was a good version of that game. And I miss that art style that they didn't bring back. I don't even think they bring it back for that Switch uh, game, which, by the way, for the people who paid $40 to $50 for that and then see this came out and didn't wait, I feel for you. I've been there. You'll get through this. (laughs) But this collection is fantastic, mostly because I finally get to play and see how the Street Fighter Alpha games play holy fucking shit they are so much fun and they visually look so cool particularly uh i think it's two i don't know how people feel about three but i really like one and two in particular they are so much fun they have a limited cast but i love playing them you know just Playing Street Fighter, like, good Street Fighter games... It made me wish... Playing those, remembering 4, and then when playing 5... It makes me wish they brought back that art. That really great art that a lot of people, uh, you know... You... Oh, not use. What's the word I'm looking for? That... Compare. Not compare associate thank you me turning off recording for a bit to think um associate with that series it's fantastic alpha in particular also street fighter 3 still a good looking game I still love third strike even though it's hard but again i'm also playing uh, <laughs> arcade mode so but i feel like i can actually pull off the moves that i never could do 10 years ago and stuff like that that's how much i've played fighting games now and i love that so it is highly recommended switch other consoles ps4 xbox one pc whatever get the switch in particular it's fun uh next up not gonna go too much in this because it's heavily story based but night in the woods i'm finally playing that as well on the Switch. And I'm so glad I also got to that. Shout out to the developers. Um, I Can't believe I'm forgetting his name already. Because I've met the man. I got to talk to him. But him. His, his wife or partner. Um, thank god I don't remember anyone's name. So I don't refer to them in a very insulting way. Because I love these people. They're great. But... I lo- Scott Benson and, and Cleo D, I think their names are. I could be wrong. I apologize to them both um, if I'm incorrect. Them and their entire team. I love playing this because I love the story. I love the look of this game when it was first announced. When I played Lost in Constellation years ago, I was so excited for this. And there was a weird time in my life where I... ...didn't purchase indie games because I was afraid of not knowing whether or not they would be worth it. And that was so stupid of me to think. Because I say that, but then I played Firewatch. I played this. I spent 60 or more dollars on big games that were disappointing or okay. I was so stupid. But that was also, again, during a time... And this will be quick, because fuck my thoughts. Let's talk about Night in the Woods, but was a time where i was kind of scared spending money uh due to personal reasons but night in the woods i'm so glad i bought this on switch in particular because the music just the pacing of the story so far i'm really enjoying uh may as a character greg greg is so fucking awesome Uh, what's the other guy? i forgot the goth uh, i said the the goth croc or the goth alligator. I said goth croc. And I forgot the bear's name. Who's... Well, actually, no. Not going to spoil it. Not going to spoil Uh, Well, I'll just say, this bear... Don't know if it was intentional. This bear... If you're familiar with waypoint.com... Uh, and the editor chief, Austin Walker... This bear looks like... I swear to god i every time i see this bear with his glasses just talking about science talking about uh astronomy i think of austin walker and i've met him so i don't think he would mind me saying this but every time i look at this dude it's specifically with his face the the glasses and obviously he's a bear uh but he 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 gives me Austin Walker vibes so much, and that's why I love that character as well and Where I am in the story, I'm gonna try to do him next um in terms of where the plot is, which wasn't expecting, but I'm curious where it goes because I liked you know. I liked where it was from the beginning. And I still like where it is now. But I'm curious what it ultimately is going to lead to. But so far I love it. I love Night in the Woods so much. Uh, Last game I'll go through. Well first. well, Buy Night in the Woods. Any console. Any platform. Buy Night in the Woods. Uh, Last game I'll go through. I haven't played much of it yet. I've only got to like. The. The fuck. Why is this staticky? Um, next up is, uh, Killer7, which I know is a very, very older game, decade plus now, like 2004, 2003, maybe, came out on the GameCube, it's one of Suda51's early, this is my aesthetic, this is my tone, I'm presented to the player, me and my team. Boy! I like it, I really like it, like it's very stylish in a way that I vibe with. <laughs> I don't know how to feel like... I know... Does it mean that i making that noise? I don't even know what noise is happening all of a sudden. I don't know if... Well first, I should say, shout out to the people who ported this because they were really able to translate what I guess were somewhat cumbersome controls back in the day into controls that while not modern or as you know uh, standard as you know any third person even if it's on a very uh, controlled uh, path sorry gotta crack my knuckles Even with all that said, it plays really well. Like, I really like controlling that game. Um, The basic gist of the game is you're a... You're multiple people in this group of seven assassins in this plot that... Boy, it talked about certain politics in a way regarding, especially, I'll just say, slight spoiler, Japan... I wasn't expecting between Japan and the U.S. And I want to see where it goes in this very weird, unusual world. I'll just say... Puzzle design. Bit uh, dated. But, again, obviously because when it came out. But... I like... So I've been using a guide for this game. Because there's a thing in this game where you have to collect certain... Uh, what is called like soul shards or whatever they're called for when you get to a point where you get to this gate to get to the boss and you have to have all of them in the level. Now it's not like a collectible, say the audio uh tapes from like a Bioshock. Not like that. You can get them. There's very rarely f- any, any of them out there. First level has like two and they come based on where they're located and what you're doing the second one or part one i guess of the second one has one you can easily miss them if you don't uh you know how you control where holding down a to run you know shows your selection of like okay it's almost like a. How should I say this? It's almost like how you select it. it's like a, in a visual novel, you know, going down choices, but it's like the sides of the screen, and it's almost like a design similar to uh think of it like a bubble box or whatever from like Persona Five and sh- shrink that. I don't know. Persona Five came afterwards. Whatever. It's the best thing I can reference right now. But you can easily miss that. You can easily miss getting Pigeon Couriers and stuff like that. I'm not going to go too much into the game because it's really fucking silly. And it takes itself seriously, but compared to Ruiner, it knows it's silly at the same time and embraces that when needed. So, with that said, Killer7 has been a lot of fun. And I want to... Continue playing that. So now... Okay. I'm gonna get some... Smaller ones movies out of the way. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Movie from 79... I believe it's 79. Yes. 79. Wait. Was it 79? Or 74. Whatever. I don't fucking remember. When it was released. I wrote a piece on medium.com slash at bag man man about it because it was my first time watching it it was very interesting watching that movie devoid of you know it's popular cultural references and stuff like that just seeing it solely in it's original context it's original release on it's own I really liked watching it because I love how it tries to subvert people's expectations. Like, oh, I'm going to see this military movie. It's right after the Vietnam War. I can't wait to just feel good about, or, well, the Vietnam War was hated. I can't wait to watch this or something like that. I don't know. And then as it goes on does the thing it has to do. I'll go into it another time, maybe a bit more detail than I did in the piece, but you can uh, read that at Medium. Really liked uh, watching that finally. Especially for the performances. Uh, Swiss Army Man. This was from A24. This was the one with Daniel Radcliffe as the dead farting corpse that this dude befriends and I'm just going to leave it at that I'm not going to say anything about the plot of this film or go into more detail all I should say is whether or not you think that premise is too silly will probably feel different by the end of that movie because I really actually like that movie a lot I was scared, especially with certain scenes and how certain stuff happened. And then those worries went away. You should see this movie. It's on Amazon Prime, I believe still, or maybe Netflix, I forgot which one. It's on a streaming service. I was able to stream it. See Swiss Army Man. If you don't remember the name of the title, look up Daniel Radcliffe, Farting Corpse trust me trust me uh another one actually no i'm gonna go into more detail i'll go into this one though uh actually yeah i'll p- go push this aside when well, i push this aside but just uh quickly go over it because i'd like to keep this podcast over, under an hour because i'm only one person and if i do this for like two and a half for one person that's boring uh, Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> I'm so glad I finally got to watch this movie, too, because... zombie fiction is almost... that's stale, but so oversaturated at this point that I never think I would still like watching an older zombie movie, especially one that's really an homage to a George Romero original, Night of the Living Dead... A zombie movie, and this is not connected that way in any way. It's reference, but it's reference in a way where that movie exists in the universe of where this and when this takes place, which is some city. I don't remember the name of the city. Again, it's called *Return of the Living Dead*, but it's not related to *Night of the Living Dead*. It's its own thing because you know. Night of the Living Dead never got a copyright, so it's in the public domain, and there's the whole story about that you can look up. Uh, holy shit, I love this fucking movie so much, of how 80s it is, how there's a dude that's basically, what if Rick James uh, fought zombies with a dude that's basically, I was about to say, it's basically like if Rick James and Columbo <laughs> fought zombies, or Rick James and Marlon Brando fought zombies. The cast, you know, it's a very, very, like, they know what they're in, and they're having fun with it. Uh, the music, when you get to the part for how, you know, the thing of humans reanimating, coming back to life, uh, happens, there was this great fucking sick track in the beginning that I would just listen in the club any club even a club I'm not even supposed to be in well actually you know what that sounds weird when I say that out loud just any club leave it at that I would be rocking this fucking track because of how so, how good it is it's so fucking good And I'll leave it at that. Well, I'll just say... It has a better, cooler... uh, Thing with regards to... You know... How zombies are taken out in this movie. Or how they may not be... They might not be taken out. And it's cool. And it's unique. And I wish a lot more zombie fiction used it. Because it sets different expectations for... How they're defeated. And stuff like that. Also the ending is really fucked up. But it's it's played so casually. It's weird. But uh. Yeah. I don't even want to spoil the ending. It's an old movie. But it's like the ending is. You know. Really fucked up. Uh. But played off in a silly way. I don't know. It's. Watch it. It's, I think it was on Amazon. Maybe it's on Netflix now. It's it's streamable. If you can. Uh, okay, and then... I want to go into this one in more detail, but... I know I'm not going to have time. Well, maybe I have a little time. The Love Me When I'm Dead. This is a documentary about Orson Welles, and is basically his last directorial effort in making The Other Side of the Wind, which is also on Netflix, and you can watch it. I highly recommend watching that movie first, and then this. Again, you know, very different times. You know, I wouldn't suggest this to the average millennial viewer, and I say this like I'm a very old man. Jesus Christ. Um, But... I highly recommend watching that movie just to get the context of what Orson where Orson Wells in terms of the uh the public conscious of where or how people felt about him, what he was doing, the behind the scenes of this movie, just it Orson Wells is always touted as a very Talented, very spectacular actor, director, Citizen Kane, one of the best films of the millennium. You know, the Citizen Kane of this, you know all the comparison shit. This, in a really great way, it really brings all that in. And there's a moment where, when they refer to Citizen Kane, in regards to Orson... They talk about how Orson felt Citizen Kane was his biggest mistake because of how much he didn't think or he tried to best that movie because it was, you know, even to the people who are talking who are alive still talking about this movie that they were in, uh, you know. I'm not going to judge Citizen Kane, me personally, in the opinion, because I never watched it. But yeah, I can see why it was a fantastic movie, especially of its time. I watch Other Side of the Wind now, and obviously it's edited in a way where... When you find out why this movie never released, it will blow your fucking mind. Because it's also really fucking crazy and really a great... Uh, in insight into where the world was as this movie was being finished because holy shit that was crazy when they revealed ultimately why this movie couldn't be released but thank god it could now it was edited in best in the best way that would you know fit orson's vision for it um i love that movie i love that movie well no what am i saying I'm just saying that now. No. Let me track back. Back Backtrack. Whatever. I love this documentary. And it makes me like The Other Side of the Wind more because of it. Because I can see Orson's vision very clearly. And how basically that movie was about really him as a director. And especially when you see and hear the last line in Other Side of the Wind. How it's just basically a metaphor for him. It's a a really good way to cap off his career as a director. Because I know, and this is a big um, mistake by a lot of people. And especially by me. Transformers, the movie, wasn't his last film he ever did. It was one that released after that in 87, I believe. Not Transformers the movie. Some other movie, it was in the documentary, mentioned. Forgot the name. But, sorry folks. Unicron was not his last role, unfortunately. But you should watch that doc. But first, watch Other Side of the Wind. It's on Netflix. They're both on Netflix. Exclusive to Netflix. They're fantastic. Um... I'll go t- to this one uh, briefly. Because these other two movies, it's been a while since I watched them. And I really want to discuss them more full in length another time. Maybe I'll make another podcast for movies. I don't know. What do you think? Would you want me to, too? You know, if you can, at me on Twitter. Bag, man, man. Tell me if you want me to make a movie-exclusive podcast. And this one to games only. Because... I'm open, you know. As long as there's any demand, uh, *Pans Labyrinth*. Uh, one of Guillermo del Toro's early works. I'll say quickly. Did not know this was all in Spanish. Did not not know that. Ugh. Can't even speak. Did not know that. At all. Glad I do now. This is a dark-ass fairy tale as well. Holy shit. <laughs> and I like it. And I could see a lot... Of... Just visually. Like the color grading and just how it looks in shot. Obviously, you know, I've seen Hellboy. Hellboy 2. I've seen a lot of other del Toro works. Like in Pacific Rim. I know how he shoots films. This almost looks... Uh, equated to how Shape of Water looks and even though I didn't watch Shape of Water just how people are, the lighting on certain people is, and and remembering from trailers how characters look, it reminded me a lot of when I watched the Shape of Water trailer, so now that just makes me want to watch Shape of Water more Uh, I highly recommend this film you know, it's always been touted, you should watch it and with that said uh i'll go through it more another time because there's so many so much stuff i want to talk about the movie i finally got to see what that creature with the eyeballs in his hand was all about that was cool and also holy fucking shit del toro why the fuck did they not give you at the mountains of madness because your creature designs continue to be incredible fuck Hollywood Studios for not letting you do that. Anyway, if you want to support me on here, I have uh a Kofi where you can buy a coffee at co-fi.com slash bagman. I think you can find me. You can find more of this podcast at anchor.fm slash bagman or any of your uh favorite podcast services, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. You can find me on youtube.com slash 123 mic. Again, I gotta do more with that YouTube to change the URL. Uh, you can catch me at Twitter again, bagmanman, at bagmanman. Uh, medium.com slash at bagmanman. Uh, twitch.tv slash at bag three mans. Not the word three in there, it's just three mans because the one man was taken. And... Yeah, if you want support me, then you know through Kofi or through uh, Anchor itself, which you can donate as well. It's up to you. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> With that said, I'm gonna think about what I'm gonna do for the next podcast. I'm still gonna talk about these two movies I didn't get to talk about last week, which was Hereditary and The Wailing, because I really want to talk about those movies. Maybe I'll make a bonus podcast for that. Who knows? Still thinking about it on the fly. So with that said, thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, week, year. Stay safe. And remember, Daxter will get his pants back no matter what. No matter the cost. That was my Optimus Prime impression. It doesn't come off well on Mike. Peace. Thank you.